Welcome to the Landscape Ontario podcast. I'm your host, Karina Sinclair. Today I'm talking with Grant Harrison, who is no stranger to the Landscape Ontario community. He originally joined Landscape Ontario as a landscaper in the early 2000s, and now he owns Nextra Consulting. He held leadership roles with the London Chapter Board for several years and has been an active member of the peer-to-peer network. Grant has also presented at Congress multiple times and has contributed articles to Landscape Trades and Landscape Ontario magazines. He generously shares his wisdom with the landscaping community at every turn. That wisdom comes from owning a landscaping business, evolving it, learning from challenges, and understanding how to navigate the many pitfalls and opportunities that come with being a business owner. Now Grant helps other landscape business owners do the same. I invited Grant to talk about his upcoming workshop series for business owners, as well as how the Great Resignation and the current economy affects those working in the green trades. If that sounds relevant to you, stay tuned. Thanks for making the time to chat with me today, Grant. It's a delight to have you on the podcast again. Thank you so much. It's great to be back here and to, yeah, just have some time with you. Excited to share what's going on in our world with you guys. Excellent. Uh, Now, you and I first met last month when we created a promo for your upcoming education series. It'll be hosted by the Waterloo chapter. Uh, There's four sessions planned from September to December. Tell me about why you designed the learning objectives specifically for business owners and leaders. Yeah, so I wish I could take the credit for that, I guess the bigger picture, but I didn't. So Joe had approached me about taking a different approach to chapter meetings and Waterloo chapter was looking for, you know, something new, something, uh, a way to get not just owners out, but to get their staff out and to do more of a series type teaching at a chapter meeting rather than just random topics every once in a while and stuff like that. So Joe approached me and said, listen, would you be able to put some sessions together to kind of go along and teach that CLP, the certification program that has been around for years? And uh, so he kind of threw the gauntlet down. I was like, yeah, let me take a look at it. I pulled out all my books from, I think I had them, it's been 10 years since I've had those books off my shelf. So I was able to take each of the modules off and kind of open them up and dust them off and just go through them individually and just try to figure out, okay, how can we make this CLP content, which is an amazing content, how can we make it interactive? How can we make it, um, you know, obviously do it in one evening, because that's a big thing. There's a lot of content in that. Um, but not just for owners. Like I said, we're trying to make it for other people within the business. So interactive, lots of knowledge base, and that someone's going to take away something at the end that and implement it within their business. So that's the whole goal of it is that we want anyone that shows up for the event. We're looking at what to do in the 30, 60, 90 days to improve your business based on the content that we teach that night. So we're really excited to do this with the chapter and the chapter board had a vision for this. I presented to the board a couple months ago and yeah, and you and I did a promo for it. So now we just got to really just teach it. So I'm really excited to do that. It's really exciting to see something like this being offered to the the chapter members. And when you're talking about Joe, you mean Joe Salemi, the executive director of Landscape Ontario? Correct. Yeah. And so what will the attendees get out of this? I mean, obviously there's some some great knowledge, of course, but what will they walk away feeling like they've accomplished? 
Yeah, so I think to maybe take a step back. So we've kind of broken it down to a bunch of sessions. So in September, we're going to talk about human resources. So obviously, staffing is still high level on a lot of concerns for owners. Like the people that should attend this event are definitely HR focused. So owners, anyone from your senior management team, any HR managers, any general managers, even crew leaders, anyone who has people under them, this whole session is focused on them. And really what we want them to do is give them skills, give them knowledge so they can manage people better. They can retain staff. They can help talk to staff. They can overall help them do better with staff. And as an industry, don't we don't necessarily do this well. You know, typically most managers are promoted into a position without a lot of training. So what we want to do is say, hey, you're in this position now. Here's some skills. Here's some education that can help you do your job better, which again, will help company culture in the end. That's what we're hoping that they'll walk away from. Well, I imagine a lot of small and medium-sized business owners, they're wearing many hats. They're already trying to do many different roles, learning so much. Um, Perhaps they started as somebody who uh, tended gardens or might have been just a one-person shop in the beginning. And then as they grew, had to suddenly take on all these roles that weren't part of their background or education or formal training. So this is really great to have a sense of here's how you properly approach these things like human resources. Yeah. So again, we want them to walk away with practical stuff. We're going to give them some templates that they can take back. What is an onboarding? What would a good onboarding program look like? We want to talk about a handbook. And the one thing we see all the time as consultants is what's the value of a good job description is really, really important to do that. So again, we're excited about doing this and and obviously lots of stories, lots of pain points in this area. So that's kind of why we've chose it first is around this HR component. So when you're talking about great job description, what's something that you've noticed or that could be immediately impactful for improving a job posting? Uh, For a job posting, I think the improvement is you have to make it creative. Too many people just have a, like a landscape crew leader, and then they just start listing stuff that it is. And I think you really have to get creative in, it's like creative writing. Um, you know, like right now, just there's too many people. You have to stand out. Just like if you're marketing your business, you need to market your business towards your staff. And if your job posting looks or sounds like all the other people that are looking for that type of person, you're not going to stand out. So the most effective ones, again, are just creative writing. Think outside the box, which again, for most of us, like you said, are like business owners, not typical creative writers or not marketing people. Um, But, uh, you know, we really encourage other, look at other positions, look what other companies are doing, not necessarily in our world, uh, but find something that's creative that's going to stand out. That's great advice. Uh, so that's the the HR component. Some of the other topics, uh, tell me more, a bit more about that. Yeah, so in October, obviously, majority of our members are looking at snow. So we're doing a whole focus on snow and ice. Again, people that should show up pretty much, you know, same type of people. You're looking for owners, managers, crew leaders, you know, that senior team, people that are involved, especially in operations based. You know, what we're looking for is... Uh, how to make a better business, your snow business, right? There's a lot of people that do snow as an afterthought. So what we're going to do is we're really going to dig down and be like, how do you make a really, really good snow business? Uh, And really focus more on uh, a lot of contractors are afraid of slip and falls. So how to prepare you for a slip and fall. If you ever have to do a discovery 
Um, guys and girls are in this for long enough. They know that that's a big fear. So we're going to talk about a slip and fall claim. We have actually a checklist we're going to share with you. So here's the things that you need to be prepared for if you go into a discovery, um, like weather maps, uh, site maps, like just all those type of things that you need that you can prepare for uh, that when it comes down to you having to prove you did your due diligence uh, that you're ready to go for that. Uh, Preseason inspection checklist, we're going to talk about that. Uh, again, uh, we find a lot of contractors don't do a very good job onboarding clients in the wintertime, especially if maybe they've taken on a maintenance client, they've taken them on in the green season in the spring, um, but then it just kind of rolls right into the winter. So, you know, really taking the time to sit there and say, hey, this is a different business and you want to get together with the client again. And so this is how we do snow. Um, it's probably much different than maybe the last contractor did snow. So you want to explain that to them. Uh, and then just giving them some good training. You know, we see that a lot of times that there's not a lot of good fall training. A lot of contractors do really well in the spring, but we want to be able to give them a template of what's a good fall rodeo training look like. That's interactive. That's fun. Uh, that, you know, you know, it's interesting for the staff and they're not just kind of wandering around after 20 minutes. Um, so a lot of good tips on how to improve that. And then the goal of that is uh, ultimately we want the guys to be more profitable as well. So, you know, when you build a better snow business, that automatically and directly leads to better profit in snow. Uh, the interesting idea of onboarding your client as well as your staff, that's something that I think often gets forgotten is helping the client understand and set expectations for the services that you can and could provide and helping them also be part of those site evaluations and taking responsibility. Uh, I think that's really clever to make sure that you're including that element and not just the employee onboarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of times it's just expectations, right? What the client's expectation was of how we service the site versus maybe the way that we do it, right? Um, and we run into that all the time when we hear contractors fail on a job site. It usually starts within the first couple services. Uh, so again, if you can have that conversation up front with the client, here's how we service it. Here's, you know, this is how we do it. And, and here's the why we do it. Then the client has understood that, you know, on that first snow event, their expectations are already set. And uh, again, it just starts with trust. If we lose trust at the start of relationship, it's so hard to build it back up. Exactly. So November and December, what kind of topics are we looking at there? Um, so November, hopefully where we're hoping that most guys will have, you know, kind of snow kind of wrapped up a little bit, not necessarily all done. Um, but we really want to start focusing on for November, we're kind of looking at what's the strategic planning. So many of us as contractors are just so busy doing the work that we actually don't take the time to just stop, breathe and make a plan for the year. So really that's what we want to teach. This course is more focused on owners and senior management team, not necessarily with crew leaders. So this one's a little bit more focused on people that, you know, see where the business is going at the bigger picture. So we want to slow them down. Um, we really want to help them, you know, plan out next year, where we want to go in 2024. We want to have a plan. We want to have some goals. We want to have some KPIs. And we want to start planning those January 1st, because that's everyone has that calendar year in mind, right? Like January 1st is the start of the year. What are we going to do? So what we want to teach the contractors is, you know, what type of template should you use? What type of conversations should you have? We want to make sure that you're understanding your market strategy. You know, what is your financial plan that you're going to have to do? Uh, what do you want to do for, for your human resources? Like, again, this is not going away. 
So if we can actually strategically plan about our HR and where we want to go, we have a better chance of success when it comes to that. Uh, we want to make sure maybe your corporate structure needs to change. A lot of times, a lot of companies struggle with communication right? Internally. So what does a good communication flow look like? What does effective use of technology look like? Uh, so it's all those things that definitely get left, um, you know, that always at the bottom of our list, right? I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I used to say, let's tackle that on a rain day. Well, rain days just don't seem to happen anymore. So we have to be really strategic about having all those conversations in advance. And then, yeah, we want to just teach all that. If no one's ever gone through a strategic day, we're going to give you a template of how to do that and then do it as a team, not just the owner trying to do that by himself. That's really great to help improve buy-in from the whole team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what we want. That's what we want, right? We don't want the owner to be alone in this. Being an owner is lonely at best of days. So if you can bring your team along, then there does become great buy-in when it comes to that. So that's for November. Yeah, December, uh, we're doing marketing and sales management. So as December comes in, uh, trying to figure out like, what are we going to do for this year for sales? whether that's in maintenance, so like getting that green season spring contract, or if you're design build or construction, you know, hitting the ground with your marketing plan. Um, but what is uh, the advertising and are we going to do any promotional programs this year? Uh, people are a bit scared about, you know, what is the economy going to do? So I think we need to get better. We've been really good as an industry to be order takers this year, this last couple of years. Um, but we need to actually start marketing ourselves and we actually have to learn how to sell again um, because, um, yeah, the order taking world has disappeared. So we want to make sure that you're looking at your website. How does your social media look? How do you actually track some of these things? So it's great to spend a bunch of money on social media marketing, but, um, you know, what should the results be? What's your ROI on that? Uh, we're going to talk about how much you should spend based on the size of your company. We're going to touch on that. Uh, we're going to look at sales process. Like when someone does call the office, we don't want to run to every person that calls our office. We want to identify what our ideal client is. We should be asking clarifying questions. Uh, don't chase every lead that comes into your office. We want to make sure that we're using our time properly. Um, you know, understanding good estimating practices. So when we do get a job, we want to make sure that we can make money at it. Um, and then just developing all kinds of other standards and processes within the company around, again, the marketing and sales management that you have. And improving the understanding and appreciation for all of those elements, I think will help with the fear of what's happening in the economy. Because you, you mentioned that people are a little bit scared about what might be happening or what will happen in the next year. Let's talk about that a little bit. What kinds of questions are you hearing from your clients or your seminar attendees these days? What's keeping them awake? We typically meet with clients once a month. And, you know, obviously January, February, the number one question we had was, you know, they, we all know that we've had, you know, three great years, like unbelievable great years. And we knew that it couldn't sustain itself. Um, so if you were listening to the news, it was dooms. Everything was going to collapse. You know, everything was going to end. Inflation's on the rise. Everything, it, just, it was just bad. Like if you didn't listen to the news, you were fine. But uh, for those of us who do listen to the news or read the newspaper, stuff like that, it was gloomy. 
um, when contractors ask us these questions, I always break it out into a couple different sections. So to me, uh, if you do maintenance and snow, this work actually has, in my opinion, has actually sped up. Um, we obviously, we do a lot of work in Ontario. Um, like right now, there is so much building going on in the commercial industrial institution world. Um, it just seems like every time you turn around, there's another Amazon warehouse. Um, so all those places need grass cut and snow plowed. And that is always recession proof. It doesn't really matter. You know, if you look after a, a distribution center, there's no one out there going to shovel the snow or plow the snow or cut the grass. That's just not what it is. Um, so if you're involved in that commercial, industrial, institutional maintenance and snow world, uh, it's only looking up. So I think that's that's really good. It's not going away. All those projects have been a couple years in advance. So it's going to take a bunch of economic pressures to slow those projects down. Uh, I think there's there's government grants money coming right now. So again, that's typically what happens is the government will start spending money on infrastructure uh, to keep the economy going, which again, we get the end of that, you know, so if they're going to do a bridge repair or they're going to do highway, there's landscaping at the very end of that as well. So I think that stuff is not going to go away. Um, yeah, so I think on the maintenance side, if you are doing residential maintenance, I would say you're probably, again, depending on the type of client you work with, um, if you have a high-end client, I don't think that stuff's going away. I think those people will continue to spend money. They continue to want the property to look good. They're continuing to spend money on enhancements. Uh, so we have not seen a downturn at all or a slowdown in that. Actually, if not, if anything, there's a speed up again. The pace has kept going. On the residential side, we have seen a slowdown for sure, especially in the range between zero dollars, you know, and depending on where you're geographically, $50,000. Those jobs have definitely slowed down, um, you know, and we can see that in the housing starts. So new first time home builders right now are like creaking to a halt. Um, the houses that are a million and a half to two million plus are still taking off. Which again doesn't really make any sense, like when you look at it. Um, but those two million dollar homes, they're not stopping the landscaping, and again that bleeds then into the landscape construction side of it. Um, yeah, those smaller projects, those like, hey, I would like a little patio back, or I like a front walkway, or can I do a little retaining wall? Those are definitely slowing down. But the people that are doing full backyards, pools, cabanas, irrigation, lighting, those jobs have not slowed down at all. Um, we have a client in Owen Sound right now, and he told me they're booking into 2025. So that's how far ahead they are. Um, so yeah, so again, I think segments of it are going to slow down, but you know, that higher end uh, residential design build world is not going to slow down anytime. Again, unless there's a, another huge financial impact here. But uh, again, so you just got to know your client and uh, make some changes as far as that goes. I wonder if the fact that travel has opened up again, has created uh, a little ripple. So those who had planned to travel before and then couldn't due to the pandemic, maybe they decided to put in a back deck or some sort of pool feature or something to create an oasis in their yard. And, and now that travel around the world is, is accessible again, maybe people are deciding they just don't want to be stuck at home anymore and they're they're looking to get away again instead of staying in their own private oasis. 
Yeah, I think if they're price conscious or they're budget conscious, I think they would probably choose a trip now rather than like a back deck where before they didn't have a choice, right? It was the back deck or nothing. Um, so I think they did do that. And I think that's where the people that are budget friendly are moving towards. They're definitely, I would say, moving towards travel or travel vacation. Um, but again, the, the people that have that $2 million house, I think they're still doing both. You know, they are traveling and I think they're still doing their backyard or front yard. So overall, it sounds like the the picture looks pretty positive for landscapers and, and horticulturalists. It seems like it doesn't have to be quite so gloomy after all. No, I don't think so. And I think the other side of it on the snow side uh, for snow contractors is uh, we see this every year, but I still see the trend. There's lots of contractors getting out of snow for insurance reasons or just the fact that maybe their design build is doing really, really well. So they don't need the headache. A lot of contractors don't like snow. Uh, they just see it as a pain. So uh, there's still lots of opportunities for current contractors to grow their snow business. Um, and because I think there's less competition out there for them. So we're seeing lots of contractors grow significantly in their snow division just because they're having clients call them and say, our contractor just told me the other day that he's getting out of snow. He doesn't want the insurance, doesn't want the headache not profitable for them. So can you bid this property for me? Um, so again, for those contractors that do snow well at large scale, there's going to be lots of more work out there this coming year for them. In the last year or two, the great resignation has been a pretty big buzzword and term that's been passed around and lots of people are talking about it. Has that been an issue for the, the green profession? Has there been a great exodus of talented staff from these jobs? Uh, yes, um, I think everyone, doesn't matter what business you have, uh, and I still think it's going on right now. Um, I, we live just uh, outside of London, and even our local Tim Hortons, even the other night on Saturday night, was closed at 6 p.m. because lack of staff. So it's just crazy that there's still, and I guess that goes back to the current economy, you know, inter our employment rates are so low, right? There's still so many people looking for work. For that. So yeah, to go back to the great resignation, I do believe I think it slowed down for sure. Uh, I think where we saw it at the start of COVID was a lot of people um, were just had some time to reevaluate where they were, right? So maybe they were in a job for 10 years, and they were just comfortable in that job. And then you know, when something comes along and shakes everything up, everyone has the time just to think about do I want to keep doing this for the next 10 years? You know, maybe it's a mediocre job. Maybe they don't see any advancement. So those are the type of times that people think about those things and then act on them. Um, despite all the chaos that was going on, we saw tons of people just coming in and resigning and just being like, listen, I want to do something else. I want to go into another trade. I want to try another career and apologizing because they're like, there's really nothing wrong with my current job. I'm happy, but I just really want to do something else. Um, so we saw that. We did see a lot of turnover. Like I would say, um, you know, turnover was excessive. You know, we always measured it as a KPI of, you need to keep 80% of your people um, year over year or season over season. And we were seeing companies that were typically 80% or higher, 90% year over year in the last two or three years get down to, you know, 50, 40, 30%. Like it was just crazy. And it's nothing they were doing wrong. Nothing had changed within the company. Just people were doing it. The other thing that happened was there was a lot of people moving for money. Uh, so typically we would, as an industry, like, oh, someone would go down the road for an extra 50 cents. And there was always those type of 
people within our organization. But last summer and last fall, I was taking a call from owner once a week saying, I just had to give out $10 an hour, $15 an hour, $20 an hour raises to great people uh, because another contractor said that's what they had to pay. And I would say that is actually bringing us back up to where we should be paying. Uh, but to go that fast, to scale that back up to where we should be paying so quickly, uh, and especially for people, um, you know, inflation is a real thing. So it's hard as an employee to sit there and say, the contractor down the road can pay me an extra $15 an hour. That's a big number. That's not 50 cents. That's noticeable in your paycheck. And when people are looking at, I would like to buy a home, home ownership is almost out of grasp for so many first time home builders. And that is our ideal staff member right now is, is those people in that economic space and they want to set roots up. So we have to pay them well. So there's a lot of people that just couldn't even afford to pay that. So they would lose them on that or didn't know if they could afford them. So they were afraid to say yes, because of the economic impact. Um, so yeah, I would say there's still a lot of it. We're seeing now that has slowed down significantly. Uh, we're seeing that retention rates are great this year, this spring for sure. Uh, even people are coming back. You know, people may, that might have left, you know, grass is green on the other side are coming back to their old company saying, hey, you know, I left for a couple bucks, but I realized that I, I really miss this place and, and I really want to come back. So that's encouraging as well. Um, but yeah, for sure, we're still in a shortage of skilled labor. That's not going away anytime soon. So you cannot take your foot off the gas as far as creating good culture, looking for staff and create training and, you know, be willing to take people that don't know the industry and willing to train them. And we're not good at that as an industry, unfortunately. Was there any reverse effect? Was there an influx of people who hadn't been in the green profession before, who had been working other jobs, maybe corporate jobs or or something else where they decided, you know what, I'm reevaluating my priorities and I want to be in nature more. I want to be surrounded by green. I want to do something more meaningful. Was there any movement in, in that direction? I think there was some movement. Um, if I think about where I saw that, we saw that in, I guess, higher level, like managers or uh, senior leadership positions, we saw some movement there. We thought we were going to see a lot of it in the field staff, but I don't think we did. Um, and again, I think there was just so much work coming to us that everyone could have used two, three, four, five new staff, right? So where before, if we got one or two of those key people, they even weren't enough. Even if we got one good person, it was like, we still need three more people. So yeah, I don't think it had as much impact as we were hoping to. Um, you know, I still think there was a lot of people being like, how many people are still sitting at home, you know, on government programs, which they ended early on, but it just felt like there was still lots of people sitting at home and not looking for work. So something that maybe as a whole, we need to continue to promote the value and the, the benefits of working in this space and that it, it is a viable career option and, and not something where you just end up being a minimum wage laborer the whole time, but there's room for growth and progression. Yeah, and there is. And this is the one thing that Landscape Ontario has done an amazing job on. Um, you know, the chapter meetings, again, that's why we're trying to do the Waterloo chapter is to get more people within your organization to come to these meetings and come to see that this is exciting. There is a career here. I think there's a good uptake in just uh, excitement for the trades in general. You know, the schools are starting to promote trades. You know, there's some good, there are great spokespeople out there that are promoting trades. Um, 
which is great, but now we're having to compete against more about the trades, right? We're, we have to, you know, the youth that are coming out today are looking at electricians, they are looking at plumbers, and they do pay well. Those trades do pay typically higher than we do. Um, it's exciting. Like, we do have an amazing trade. We have such a great network. We have such a strong association that can help contractors um, with this and, and create good culture. Um, so, yeah, if they're struggling with it, just reach out to someone, come to an event, come to an LO event. And just ask someone, share something. You'll get so much back by coming and sharing some of your pains and people will share what's working for them. So. Oh, you're such a great ambassador, Grant. Thank you for that. Uh, now, I was looking at your blog a little bit earlier and you have a great series where you recommend books of the month. Do you have a recent favorite book that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I do, actually. I heard this gentleman on a podcast a couple months ago. His name is David C. Bentall. And why this one grabbed my attention was because Bentall Properties, for those of us who are in commercial management, um, we look after a lot of Bentall Properties in Ontario. So if you know the word Bentall Properties, this is actually the story of the Bentall family, which is a Canadian family. Uh, they're mostly out west, and David is the third generation Bentall, and they're majority large construction, and then a uh, property management, property development firm. Um, so I've been on Bentall properties for the last ten years, on and off with myself, and then with clients. So when I heard he wrote a book, I was really interested. But the book is about transitioning family businesses and family wealth. And he shares his story that him, his father and his uncle did this transition and it went awful. They made tons of mistakes and ended up splitting the family up, splitting the company up. And he's sharing his story about what happened there and the mistakes that were made and then what to do differently. And we have a lot of companies right, right now that we know that are making this transition from a father or son or father, you know, son-in-law or second generation. Uh, there's a lot of wealth moving. He talks a lot about wealth moving. Like when this generation is passing money down to your kids, how do you deal with that? Do you just give it to them? Do you have to earn it? So he does an amazing job about walking us through how to deal with money, how to deal with money and family, how to deal with money, family and business. And it was just a really, really good book, really, really good story. He actually has a consulting firm that does this. Um, I, I think we have two clients I would love to recommend because this is all they do. So just definitely just love to hear people's stories. The reason I love this book so much is because it is a great story. And he's very humble. He tells you the mistakes he made, uh, but very practical. Like you can actually walk away with tips that you can implement in your business if you're in that situation uh, and help you transition that. Well, that sounds really relevant for a lot of the family-owned, multi-generational businesses that are in the landscaping industry. There's, and we have lots of those around. So that's a great recommendation. Thank you. I'll be sure to include a link in our show notes. Uh, lastly, because you are such a, a wealth of knowledge, I'm sure there's lots of people who would either love to attend your sessions or who could benefit from learning a bit more from you. How do people get in touch with you and where do they find you? Um, our website is nextraconsulting.ca. So if you want to go see some of the services that we have, you're happy to do that. Uh, my email is just grant at nextraconsulting.ca. Uh, yeah, send me an email. I'm happy to reach out and to touch base with you, do a free call with you. Um, I love coffee meetings. You know, a coffee introduction meeting is amazing. I'll come see you or we can meet halfway. 
Um, honestly, we are so passionate at Nextra about helping contractors make a better business. I mean, we understand majority of the listeners are tradespeople, and we want to come alongside you and, and help you make money with your trade and to build a better culture, to build a better business. Uh, and we really just want to take all the, you know, all the lessons I've learned, all the mistakes I've made and say, don't do this. You know, I've been there on that road. I understand what that is to do that. And here's a better way to do it. Or here's someone else that can help you do that and, and answer those questions for you. And, and just, yeah, uh, the owners work so hard and they don't have to work as hard as they're working. The resources are out there, the people that are out there that want to help them. Um, so yeah, just a real encouragement for owners to reach out to someone, reach out to Landscape Ontario, reach out to someone else like myself. There's lots of people out there that want to help you as a contractor. Even this podcast, this podcast is about that, right? Is to help them within their business. And our Waterloo chapter is just that. We want people to build better businesses, make the industry better and to offer a great career and just make more money. We need to make more money. We work way too hard as owners and we don't make enough money for all the work and hours we put in. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us on the Landscape Ontario podcast today, Grant. I really appreciate all your insights and your knowledge and uh, being so generous with everything that you can share with the landscape audience. So yeah, thank you so much for having us. Always a pleasure to talk to you and to just share some information with the audience. If you're a business owner or leader and would like to unlock your full business potential, you can check out Grant's seminar series hosted by the Landscape Ontario Waterloo Chapter. It's free for LO members to attend. We'll have links in the show notes as well as a full transcription at landscapeontario slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a future podcast episode, be sure to reach out. We're always excited to help tell the stories of the Landscape Ontario community. Thank you again so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you'll subscribe every month for new episodes.